Hi, and welcome to the In the Cortex podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Paloma Garcia. And I am Danny Perricone. And we're the founders of In the Cortex, an online community with programs that show people the tools that they need to change their lives through brain reorganization. No medication, just movement. When you get your brain out of survival mode and regulate your nervous system, you start to live in the fun, logical part of the brain, the cortex. Subscribe today and learn how to live your best in the cortex life. And now, on to today's episode. Let's listen to today's cortex moment. Hi, I'm Chuck. I'm 77 years old. Who says old dogs can't learn new tricks? I started in the Cortex program about five or six weeks ago. I've been doing my creeping and crawling, and I noticed that my demeanor has changed quite a bit. The other day, my wife was pulling the trailer out of our garage, and we ripped off the antenna to the TV because we didn't have the garage door open high enough. And instead of going crazy, all I did was, oh, we can look at that. We'll just fix it up. We just came back from a little mini vacation and had a great time, and it was just done Without any, everything was in the flow. There was no issues. We had a few problems, but we just handled them. So I really recommend In the Cortex. I can't believe it's really helping me, but you know what? At my age, anything will help. I'm still learning. Thanks. Bye-bye. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about childhood, the role of childhood in our lives and the role of childhood in our subconscious. So trigger warning, if this is something that is not super comfortable for you to listen or to talk about, please know that we will be talking about nothing too too profound, but we are going to be talking about different themes that we've seen in our members and ourselves and that really just overarching in, in humanity in childhood. So now that we've said that, please um, take a second. When you hear this question, what do you feel when you think of your childhood? What comes up for you? Danny, what comes up for you? Well, the first feeling I get is just like being a little person and just like the world. But this is hard because we what childhood should be is something different than what it was for me, right? Right. <laughs> That's the point. And this is why it's a, a hard one because when most people think of childhood, they're like, oh, whimsical imagination and play and fun. But when you said what was the feeling, my first feeling was being this small little human and scared. Wow. Which is kind of wild because now that you just say that, I was like, oh, maybe I should dive into that a little bit more. That's so we do a lot of childhood <laughs> stuff here at In the Cortex. And it's funny, I've never had that question like that. That wasn't really there on we our go. Listen, answer. Look I was us. like, hey, look at this. New so, nuggets every yeah, single what time. About you? Okay? That's what mm-hmm. we're here for. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, a lot of us do think that, right? You look at your childhood, at least for example, uh, you had never thought about it in that way, right? Okay. I'm more somebody who like rationalizes everything, right? You know, I'm very much in my head about things. So I like probably have like a narrative, right? I mean, I knew I was going to ask the question, so now I'm already thinking about it. But <laughs> if I had just responded just like you, um, I would probably come up with some narrative that I have of it, right? Because I'm that person. And everybody does that in different ways. And a lot of us are like, oh my God, my childhood was amazing. It was great. I had no like big challenges. I had no like difficult things, whatever. No major trauma, yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, if you had such a great childhood, then why are you still recovering from it now? And that's, but that's not to like 
you know, throw any anything at anybody. It's just all of us are like nobody. We've said this before. Nobody leaves childhood unscathed. And that's okay because that's part of what you're here to learn, right? That's part mm-hmm. of like your journey in this world. And if you do look at childhood with with a certain perspective, then you might say, okay, well, that childhood was fine, right? But that's the perspective that we most most of us have where it's like, okay, did you have water, food, shelter, caregivers, right? And so if somebody didn't have one of those things, and it's very obvious that their childhood was not fun, it was not ideal, and they probably had a lot of stuff that happened and that they truly do have to recover from. But at the same time, we talk about this before, we've talked about this before, Gabor Mate talks about a lot about this, where capital T trauma and lowercase t trauma will cause the same response in your body. So it can be something small that happened one day in school when the teacher said something like made you feel like you weren't smart, right? Mm-hmm. Or it can be something where your parents maybe made you feel a certain way about your body without even knowing. And that's still something that's with you in your life, right? For example, for me, I might look back and see, I had a child full of opportunities. I was all over the place. It was super great. I got to travel so much. But then on the other side, I'm like, well, I changed houses probably every four years, three years. And guess what I'm still doing as an adult? Um, um, right. So it's like, there's a part of me that part of it is just being a Sagittarius, let's be honest. But also part of it is some part of my body and my brain don't know how to get really installed somewhere and like really just live somewhere and feel like it's home. Right. And we talk about this stuff all the time, but really quick, going back to Gabor, trauma is not what happens to you. It's what happens inside of you. So Mm -hmm. for me, when you said, what was childhood like for you? What were the feelings that came up? Scared was a very undercurrent emotion and feeling I had for a lot of everything because my brain was in survival mode. I was constantly in a state of fight or flight. And we're going to talk about co-regulating a lot today on our episode, and I'm going to share that in a minute, but a lot of me was feeding off of my parents. And now this is not to say go out there and like, you know, tell your parents to do a terrible job, whatever it is. Um, because you're doing the best you can as a parent. And most parents didn't have access to this information like we do today. So it's a different time. And there's also a big part of me as we're talking about this. I'm like, yeah, what happened inside of me was a lot of angst and anxiety and fear. And I was afraid of the dark. I was afraid of this. And my parents didn't, you know, they were tired. They were working. They had a lot of things to do. I had an older brother that had a lot of challenges. So when I came to them with my like concerns of being afraid of the dark in their logical conscious mind, they're like, it's just the dark. It's not a big deal. But to tiny Danny, it was so incredibly scary. So now when my kids share their fears about whatever, I'm very more connected to where they're at and understanding like, I know what that felt like. And this is what I needed as a kid. So that's where when you ask these questions and when you ask that, And since we've done so much of our emotional work on these things, like I don't have that pit feeling in my stomach anymore. It's more of like, oh, cool. I get to go now explore some of this childhood stuff that I didn't even realize. Like, why was tiny Danny so scared all the time? Oh, it's because she didn't have this and this is what I needed. So I can go back now and I can shift that emotional feeling or memory that I had from my childhood and give tiny Danny what she needed back then. And that's what you do here. Yeah. And you don't even have to go directly to like a specific memory. If you know that there's a theme, you can do a reconnect and just do it. Right. And you and I do this all the time. And Mm -hmm. it's funny because like, for example, I had a lot of fears when I was little and like, I was scared of dogs. I was also scared of the dark. I was scared of 
like pretty much anything and everything. And my parents did the opposite thing. So they would hyper protect me. So they basically created this bubble around me. Right. And so that obviously feeds into the way that both of us have operated in our whole lives. And just really quickly, let's go back to talk about, of course, in the first year of life, you're doing these movements, right. To get your brain prepared, to get your primitive brain developed enough. So it's able to do all of these automatic functions. So you're free to focus on learning, on playing, on being a kid, like you said, whimsical, happy childhood, which is the ideal that honestly, nobody actually has that, but that's okay. We can still keep that idea out there because mm-hmm. it's it's nice. Um, but, you know, and, and, and when you're doing these movements, you're really getting your brain to understand what really is a threat and what is not, right? Because in that first year, sometimes two years of life is first of all, everything is new and through movement, your body's understanding itself and your brain is understanding that connection with the body. And so you're able to process things that are going on around you after that in a more logical way. Cause that's when you start to have access, when you stand up, when you start to talk, when you start to really understand different concepts, we've, a lot of us have seen this with younger kids, right? When they get to the point where they start to have more complex thoughts and start to understand ideas, that's where they're really forming their belief system. And so honestly, it starts even before that, right? This whole belief system, all of the subconscious stuff starts from the time we're in the uterus, potentially even before that because of epigenetics, right? And so that's what we want to talk about today is the subconscious part that is coming online in that, that is online, I should say, from zero to seven years old is because our brain is in theta state. And so this is a lot of what Dr. Bruce Lipton talks about is that part of your brain where you're in that download of your life, where your brain is in that download state and it's able to kind of process everything on a subconscious and conscious level, right? So you have access to your subconscious throughout those entire seven years of life. And so that's why that happens because in those seven years of life, children are learning about the world. They're, of course, they're learning practical skills, right? They're learning how to eat. They're learning how to walk, how to talk, how to interact with friends. They're also learning what is this world? What is life? Who am I? What are the things that matter? What is my perspective on all of these things? Because like we've talked about before, reality is never going to be objective. It is seen through each person's lens. And this is the lens that's being created, right? This is when the lens is being created, is in those first seven years of life. And the way that we learn those things is through our experiences, through our caregivers, through different people that are around us and through messages that we receive that, like we said earlier, it can be something huge, right? Like parents talking a lot about, we always use the example of money because everybody understands this relationship. Parents talking a lot about money and saying, oh, we don't have money. We don't have money. We don't have money. So you're going to grow up with that belief that, oh, it's really hard to have money or you can be the opposite, right? Where your parents are actually giving you a really great message and a great relationship with money. Usually this is without wanting to, by the way, (laughs) you can try and Danny, you could talk about this. Like you can try all the time to give the most positive messages, messaging to your children. You honestly never know what they're picking up, (laughs) but yeah. And it also can be something really small. Like we said, like one comment that a teacher made once and it gets just stuck in your mind, right in your subconscious. And so that's why it's a really important thing to look at childhood, not just as this idyllic moment where it's magical and children are just playing and blah, 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 because it's actually a really important piece of the way that we're shaping these kids. Right. And so it's important to keep that in mind and 
also not put too much pressure on ourselves. Right. And I know that yeah. that might seem like it's contradictory, but we're going to talk about that today, right? It's 100%. it's really not because you can't, you can't be perfect and you can't shield your kids from everything like my parents tried to. <laughs> no, because then you turn into that hypervigilant, scared of everything person. And here's the thing. I, for a moment, as I started learning more about this and becoming more conscious and realizing like, oops, I just said that to my kid, whoopsie doodles, that's going to go into their subconscious and that's not coming out. Now they have that lens on the world. But now I'm in the space of, I'm not perfect. I am imperfectly perfect. And that is the biggest part about what we share here in the cortex is that you're going to continue through life. You're going to have moments that happen to mm -hmm. you and it's your decision on how you come out of it. How do you grow from it? And that's the, the part where we now take in the reconnects like Paloma mentioned, where you can now change how you're seeing whatever situation happened. And we're not trying to say here that we're curing anything. We're not saying here that you can just erase all the trauma and you don't have nope. to feel anything ever again. We're helping you just diffuse it and turn and distill that emotion into something that's more manageable so you can now move through life and not let that experience keep stopping you. And right. that's what happens with so many of us. Like we have what we say is an ideal childhood, right? Oh, my parents took me here. We traveled. We went on vacations. Oh, I had this. I did this. I had a great childhood. And then when you really start to boil it down, you're like, wait, but my parents didn't give me this experience of, you know, showing me nurture and love and they didn't hear my feelings as they came up and that made me feel this. And so then it stops you throughout the rest of your life. And this is what we're trying to share for one parents who are soon to be parents, our parents now, or you're an adult and now you're working through your childhood tra traumas mm. and things that have happened. It doesn't matter what stage you're you are in this, your childhood has such an important bearing on the rest of your life. So talking about co-regulation, and this is something I am so passionate about right now because I did not grow up with parents who helped me regulate. Co-regulation mm. is... So nervous system co-regulation is the dynamic and interactive process by which two or more people, often in close relationships, such as caregivers and infants or intimate partners, they synchronize their physiological and emotional states. It's primarily mediated through autonomic nervous system, the ANS, which is the ch in charge of our automatic functions like heart rate, respiration, and digestion. During co-regulation, we unconsciously exchange emotional and physiological signals, which leads to a mutual influence on each other's states of arousal, relaxation, and emotional well-being. So this is such an important part of just everyone working together, and everyone can feel this. You know that person who walks into the room completely disheveled, chaotic, and frantic? Everyone feels that. Like, ugh. Dogs and kids are so good at feeling that energy. Like, dogs mm. will run away. Kids will be like, ugh, get away from me, you know? We can feel that energy immediately. And when I was growing up, I could feel my system constantly dysregulated because I didn't have the foundation in place of doing the brain work. And so... Anytime I started to get dysregulated, it would trigger my parents to dysregulate and then it would just be chaos. And then it turns out that's what my baseline was. I craved chaos. So I would go seek it in every environment I was in. Because that's all you fights. knew. I picked fights. I always was in the drama. I always just like that was what my baseline was because your nervous system will crave the chaotic known versus the calm unknown. 
We do have a four-year-old in the background right now. So you might hear some noises here. In the <laughs> um, so my, the new thing here is me working on me as a parent, calming my nervous system, making sure I'm regulated. Mm -hmm. And then I can just effortlessly just be there for my kids, support them through childhood and then see them for, Hey, you're four, you're seven. You're not supposed to have it all figured out yet. That's the whole point of childhood, right? Childhood's really this amazing foundation for the rest of your life. So let's treat it like that. Let's start putting into our kids what we want them to have for the rest of their lives. But we can't do that if we're dysregulated as adults. It's impossible. I've literally done it for years. And then I just decided to like really commit to like organizing my brain every single day and was like, oh my gosh, this was the ticket that I needed to be that calm, co-regulated parent. So it's a big job. It's a hundred percent doable. It's yeah. something that I had brain work under my belt for so many years. And then once we brought in the reconnect process and looking at the subconscious beliefs and looking at what was stopping us, um, that's when everything really shifted. And I want to highlight today that uh, when I'm with other parents, because this is very much my reality, my four-year-old, my seven-year-old, we're out with other parents all the time. And this is not to shame anybody, but we oftentimes, everyone knows this too. Like we put our stuff on social media to make it look like life is perfect. Yes. And then like, you know, when you know what's going on behind closed doors, because like, you know, that family are like, wow, you're making your life look so easy. And I think that's again, coping mechanisms, right? We I was just, just going to say that. We pretend everything's fine. I'm totally hanging on. And you're like, but I know you're not. So let's normalize talking about not being fine. Yeah. Let's normalize saying, hey, I am feeling some challenges right now. And then, you know, Paloma and I, we probably turn a lot of people away. We're like, hey, we got strategies for you. Not everybody wants to do the strategies to work mm -hmm. through them. But we're telling you they're so incredibly doable and easy to do. And I was just talking, I, <laughs> I had a call with somebody about this yesterday where they were saying, this is so cool that you do the primitive reflex integration, the brain reorganization for adults too, because a lot of people focus on the kids and that's another thing, right? And I, I keep coming back to this, but it's just the society's expectations of people, you know, that's what we have to do. And that's how we, we, we live in this world. And the expectations are so high that if, you're not able to do it naturally, then your brain is just trying to figure out how to do it all the time. And it's hard. And a lot of us un don't understand what our coping mechanisms are. So once you're able to start doing this and you stop doing your, by this, I mean, brain work, when you stop needing your coping mechanisms and you're like, whoa, I have so much more time and so much more energy to be myself and to do the things that I want to do. And of course, this is something that we're talking about people who are ready to come in and do their brain work. And, you know, we, you can do it at home. You can do it anywhere. But if you're somebody who's just listening to this and is just like, oh, okay, that's interesting. That's great. Take that little seed. It will grow. And we've had people, a lot of our members are people who have followed us on social media for years. And then one day something clicks and they're like, yep, I'm, I'm ready, ready to sign up. Oh my gosh. And I want to share. So I feel like when I read a lot of self-development books, when I listen to people talk about all these theories and things that are, and you're just like nodding your head, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I get, I'm with you. I'm with you. Now what do I do about it? Right. Yep. And so we always come back to, we'll obviously do our program because we're obsessed with it, obviously. Yes. Um, but I want to share just like a real practical approach of how I've handled working with my seven-year-old because he is experiencing a lot of things that I know he came in to help teach me on how do I help 
work on this and then I can help other people and guide other people with this. I know that my, you know, our children come to us for a reason, right? And we have these relationships for a reason. And my son is one of the most tender, loving children in the entire world. He is so sweet, so caring, so energetic, like energetically yeah. like feeling wise. Mm-hmm. So he can feel people's energies very deeply. And when I had him, I was pregnant with him. So this is where we say this goes before you have kids really sink in with what went on in your childhood. How did you feel about life? What were your expectations that were put on you? And so for me, when I was pregnant, I was also doing brain work sessions and people would always be like, oh my gosh, your baby is going to be a superhuman. Because remember, they were bringing their kids to me. I was helping their kids get their brain organized. And so they're like, well, if you know all this, your child's going to be set for life. You're not going to have any challenges. Well, guess what? I took those ideas and thought to myself, you're right. Mission accepted. Childhood, his childhood will be absolute perfection. I'm not going to mess anything up. (laughs) Yeah. And then you laugh because it's literally impossible. Like I said, you cannot come out unscathed. So I did an emotional work session and I remember saying, I'm so scared to bring this child into the world because everything Mm -hmm. is so dangerous and toxic. But remember, think back to little Danny. She was scared of the world too. So look what I just did. I took what I was feeling and I put it onto my son. And this is what happens with the beliefs that we're talking about is whatever your caregivers are giving you, you don't know what to make sense of. That's your lens on the world. You pass it down to your kids. So we're here to break the cycle. So anyways, my attachment with my child was very strained because I was focused on pumping. I mean, I did baby care, um, baby wearing, we co-slept, we did all the things, but I still had this stress within me that was terrified of messing up, right? So I was so attached to an unrealistic expectation. And now Axel has some separation anxiety. I wonder where that came from. So now what we're working on is just him building that confidence. And, And there's a lot of times where I would have to check myself. And this is why our program is designed that parents do it first. Mm -hmm. Then they get to a certain position where their brains are now regulated. Now we bring our kids on board and now we're regulating together in a really cortex way. And now we're starting to go through all the reconnects in the subconscious. Mm -hmm. So now Axel is rebuilding his foundation of what he needs to take on the world. And we just had conversations yesterday of like, um, he's practicing to play goalie for soccer and he's scared of the ball. <laughs> so it's a little bit of a challenge to be scared of the ball. And, you know, we're kicking the ball at him and he takes it personal. He's like, you're kicking it purposely hard. We're like, no, we're just preparing you for life. And yeah. that's really the metaphor for life or things going to come flying at you. How do you respond? And so we're just constantly helping Axel understand how to be prepared for this world. How do we help him become independent? How do we help him step into his power? So once we've done the brain work, now we're doing the reconnects and we're setting him up. And the coolest part at seven years old is when he feels that connection come online and yeah. he looks at me and he's like, mom, my brain yes. mom, I just did that reconnect. And so he can feel it and he is now able to walk himself through a lot of things. And yeah, I mean, he's still a seven-year-old kid who's like, mom, do I have to do my brain work? Because it does have, you know, times <laughs> that it's it's not, it's kind of how we feel about going to the gym and working out. It's like, oh, I don't really want to go. But then afterwards, you're like, I'm glad I went and I'm glad I did it. It's the same thing with brain work. And same thing with reconnects is after you do it, you're like, oh, I'm so glad I kept pushing myself through this. 
And I can now see the growth in him. And now I'm telling parents, yeah, he might be behind on school and where we were, but you have no idea how far we've come in his emotional well-being. And that to me takes precedence over everything because that's going to be his driver for the rest of his life. Learning is for life, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's childhood, baby. <laughs> that's, but that's the thing. And we, I have tools, so I don't have, and I can tell you his teacher telling me a week ago, oh, he's really behind on reading. Had I not regulated my nervous system, had I not done the reconnects on me, I would have been devastated and in tears. Yeah. And now I can handle it. Like, yeah, whatever. It's just a grade level. What does that even really mean? Again, exactly. it's subjective. Like, exactly. do you walk around at 35 years old telling people what grade you're in? No, like, <laughs> I'm 35 and I hang out with 47, 50, 70 year olds. Yes. None of it actually really matters. So it's like, the more we look at what society has created, the more we can see how many things are not working and Absolutely. what we need to do to shift them fundamentally. And that's where when you can ultimately not care what everybody else is doing and yes. only focus on you and do what feels good for you, your world will change. And these tools do that for you. Exactly. I think that also, like you just said about the the reading, for example, somebody who's listening to this podcast and is like, oh my God, what am I giving? What messages am I giving to my child? How can I fix them? How can I make it perfect? That's exactly your cue to know you got to get yourself regulated first. Yes. You got to start there because if not, you're, you're, you're feeling the feeling that you just had about these subconscious beliefs or the feeling that you might have about the creeping and the crawling that happens to us all the time on social all media where people misinterpret what we're saying. Yes. And they're saying, they think that we're blaming people or that we're scaring. We're like fear mongering where yes. it's the opposite. We're saying there's so much time, dude, if your baby didn't yeah. crawl enough, I'm crawling at 33 years old. You're crawling at 30. You know, our parents are crawling and they're in their 60s and 70s. Like there's more than enough time, yeah. right? But it is that the way that your brain is looking at things and processing information has to do with your dysregulation and with your subconscious beliefs. Mm -hmm. So I, I, can, I can tell you a lot of the people who see that and interpret it that way as, oh, you're, you're trying to scare me for my baby walking earlier or something like that or, or shame me or whatever. I can tell you that they probably grew up with a lot of shame and with mm -hmm. a lot of things in their childhood. So that's why that's another reason we we've worked on this stuff so much because we got a storm of comments on TikTok at some point and it was Hard. gnarly. I feel like <laughs> we take like a two or three day break where we were just yeah. like, I can't freaking. do anything. Yeah. I was freaking out. You were freaking out. We were like crying, questioning who we were, like what's going on? Cause it was literally millions of people giving us these horrible comments. And then on the other side, there were millions who were like, this is amazing. So cool. Yeah. Just signed up for your program. This is great. Thanks for sharing. Right. But of course, even our more regulated brains are going to focus on the negative piece. And so we had to go and look at our subconscious beliefs and be like, okay, there's part of me that still feels like I'm under attack or a part of me that still doesn't feel worthy. Part of me that still doesn't feel that I am the authority that I am. And that's a lot of the, the, What's imposter that syndrome, imposter, imposter syndrome, syndrome. Yeah. that a lot of people grow up with, especially women. Right. And that's very yeah. common. So yeah. you and I went into that. Now we're able to see these comments and be like, oh, they just didn't, they, they misinterpret it and we'll respond in a funny way. Or sometimes we won't even respond, you know, and mm -hmm. then 
just like that, so many more people start to understand these things because they start to look at it different. Right. And so it's really cool. And so if you're somebody who's listening to this podcast right now and you're going into that fear moment, take a second to, to check in with your body and take a second to take a deep breath and really understand. I mean, I'm not a parent and I think of what Danny says and I'm like, whoa, that's a lot. (laughs) Right. So that's me, right. Kind of going to having to look at my subconscious belief before I even think about having kids. But that's also the moment where you say, okay, now I'm here. Now I know this. What am I going to do about it? The answer. Yeah. yeah, And the answer is you have so, there's so many different things you can do. And you're never done. So even if Paloma tried to do all the subconscious belief programming to get herself set to be the ideal parent, she's still not going to be enough of like having that completely done. The difference is the feeling inside of her. And we talked about that on our last podcast was what happened to that woman when the baby was crying? She became dysregulated. Imagine exactly. a world where you can stay regulated and calm for your baby and let them know they're safe. And we talk about this so much. And it's so important because if you are able to keep yourself calm, think about how incredible that will feel. When you can start to listen to your intuition and not care about what society is telling you to do and you do you, holy cow, your doors open, your options open up, everything changes. And you're just like, okay, life is not nearly as hard as I thought it was. And now I actually get to enjoy why I'm here. Why are we all actually here? If you want to get deep with the existential crisis (laughs) comment or questions, it's like, why are we all here? Is it to put up our life on social media that everything's fine? No, we're here to have a human experience where we feel emotions and we learn and we grow and we keep finding the best and most authentic version of ourselves. And I'll be honest, not everyone's ready for that journey. And that's okay. We hope we weren't ready for a long time. It takes time. It takes years. And now we have this amazing core member group that we all get on these office hour calls and we have some of the greatest conversations. And it's really about, we keep holding that vision in space that more people wanting to know that there's something you can do about the way you're living. If you're not happy right now, there's something you can do about it. And it takes less than 20 minutes a day. And I know that sounds like such a sales approach, but we are so passionate (laughs) about listen i'm gonna end the podcast on this note and you're gonna crack up but hey yolo okay yeah it's 2023 2023 and i just said yolo yolo you only live once so take charge now because it's gonna go away sooner than we know um and yeah yolo is one thing and also now you're probably thinking okay cool what do i do about it so (laughs) tune in for our next episode because we're going to talk about the strategies that we recommend for those moments in parenting that can be a little bit tougher and how to approach it from a more cortex space and truly give your kids what they actually need in that moment okay let's do this Follow us on Instagram at in the cortex underscore us. Follow us on TikTok in underscore the underscore cortex. And guess what? Facebook in the cortex us. Want to send us an email? Hello at in the cortex.com. Want to check out our website in the cortex.com. And because we love you, we have a promo code for you. It is promo code Brainiac to get 10 bucks off your very first payment of our program. We are so happy you're here. Please continue to send us questions and reach out on social media. We have gotten so much inspiration from you all from social media and all your questions and requests. So please keep sending them our way. And we love you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.